Lauren Faye is back on the show today. Uh, Lauren has been part of the show a few times, talking about her journey with removing alcohol from her life and her journey with sobriety. So today we are going to dive into Lauren's offerings that she now has in a deeper way uh, to help people find sobriety or to help remove alcohol from their lives. Um, this is a big journey for a lot of us. Addiction is a very difficult thing to get past. Um, sometimes we think we can white knuckle it ourselves and figure it out. Um, but for myself, having a, a friend or having a coach or having a sports system is going to be the thing that I find the most success with. So we're going to talk a lot about the success and the support that Lauren can offer you in the journey that you're taking to find your sobriety. Uh, I love Lauren. I love her approach. I love her information. And I really hope you get something out of this conversation. We'll see you on the other side. A quick personal note about tonight's episode from Lauren and I. We both recognize that alcohol and addiction to alcohol is a serious matter. Content found in this conversation is not intended to be a substitute for medical treatment or evaluation. It is strongly recommended you seek professional advice regarding your health before attempting to incorporate any advice from this program or this podcast into your life, especially if you've reached a point of physical dependence. Please reach out to whoever you need to to find the help that is best serving to you. No basis of love. We'll see you on the other side. But first, a message from our sponsor. Our healing journey can be difficult and might feel lonely at times. That's why I love sound baths. When we can get together in a community, we intrinsically support and feel supported by others. And that combined energy can help us go deeper into our own healing journeys. And all you have to do is just lay there for one hour and listen to beautiful healing sounds. I'm a sound healing practitioner, and I hold sound baths on a regular basis in the greater Seattle area. You can find my next sound baths on my website at adamrealhealing.com. That's Adam, A-D-A-M, real, R-I-E-H-L, healing, H-E-A-L-I-N-G, dot com. AdamRealHealing.com. Your healing is worth your time. And now an uninterrupted podcast with Lauren Fay. All right, welcome back to our show. Uh, joining me again is one of my dear friends and a big inspiration in my life, uh, Miss Lauren Fay. Uh, so Lauren's been on the show many times. Uh, when Lauren comes on, uh, we talk about sobriety and uh, different types of sobriety, alcohol-free sobriety. Um, Lauren has been a very big catalyst for me on my journey with uh, my version of sobriety, um, removing alcohol from my life. And Lauren has been just a friend that I've been able to talk to. She's been a coach that's been able to give me advice. She's been a person that just holds that space when I just don't know what I need and just need to talk to somebody and just like be angry for some fucking reason. We need friends like that, right? And Lauren is just a beautiful human being. She's been on this journey to discover herself for many years. I think when we first met um, about five years ago or so, you were just kind of like beginning or in the midst of that, that journey of your own personal sobriety. And to see your growth in that time and from then to now and from now till tomorrow and tomorrow to the next day, just there's always this growth with you every time I see you. And it's so inspiring and it's so beautiful. And whether you realize it or not, you, you help keep me on my path, right? And, and we, one, need people like that in our lives, but two, need to make sure those people know, right? So Lauren, thank you for helping me and helping our listeners because I've gotten so much feedback from the, the shows that you've been on um, talking about how 
your work and your words and your, your love helps people find that, that sobriety or that step that they need. Right. So, um, so Lauren is, is jumping back on with us. She's got a lot of, of work that she's been doing on this subject and this topic. And uh, so we're going to kind of dive into it and, you know, talk about what sobriety means and uh, kind of unpack that word sobriety. And then, you know, talk about a lot of, you know, just societal pressures that we have to think we need to drink or how we maybe feel like we don't have religion, so we can't go to AA. And so we don't think we have an option outside of AA to not drink, right? So, and that's, again, one of those things that Lauren's really helped me with is that it doesn't need to be this program. It doesn't need to be something that's, that's, you know, accepted wide mainstream. This is something that is your journey. And so finding the way to help you with this. So, uh, Lauren, you're an amazing human. Thank you for doing what you do. And thanks for being back on the show. Thank you so much, Adam, for having me. We always have the best conversations. And I really appreciate that lead in because I, I take this role very seriously that I've stepped into, which is just being like a walking example of what is possible for people on this journey. And, you know, I heard a term this morning, uh, this morning from another coach actually called possibility portal. Like she considered mm. herself a possibility portal. And it was like, yes, that's exactly what this role is, is like, if I just stand true in my journey and I, and I walk the walk and talk the talk and actually live what I preach, then I am a walking example of what is possible and everyone then can decide what they want their own personal journey to look like. And it doesn't have to be a one size fits all. Mm. You know, like you said, it doesn't have to be something that is mainstream or what anyone else says it needs to be. You can choose to embark on any journey in your life because you want something different. You desire something different. You want to feel something different. And maybe your actions aren't aligning with those desired outcomes, right? Yeah. It's not one size fits all. It's one size fits you. And you are the only one that gets to determine what that's going to look like for you. So mm. it's really amazing to be able to have the inspiration flow from me of other people that I've watched and then and then allow myself to be the inspiration for other people who are just getting started or have been on this journey for years, but they're not at peace. Yeah, They're not feeling full. They're not feeling complete. They're still feeling like something's missing or they're still white knuckling or craving. Mm. So there really is no time either. It's when you feel you, what it is that you want to feel. And that is the barometer of your journey. Yeah. And that possibility portal, that is a, that's a beautiful statement because, you know, for my personal journey, the, the, the more I leaned into alcohol because I felt I needed it to, to live a character that I had created. And I didn't realize I did that till after I stopped drinking and I can get a little clearer headed, but it, when I removed alcohol from my life, which I was definitely just so afraid to do because I wasn't sure how I was going to be that, that trueness of your your whole human being, right? Your dharma, whatever it is you want to call it, right? Your purpose, your just what your 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 being of here. All those possibilities start to open up, and it's it's kind of scary at first, right? Because, and I'm I'm still living in that fear, right? Living your authentic self, right? When you realize that you're not stepping into your full power and you're not living the trueness of yourself, that it 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 kind of scared me, and it still does, but. Now that I've walked this path, I'm coming up on four years, actually. I got four mm -hmm. years in uh, alcohol-free in about a week, you know? Fantastic. Yeah. And it, 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 
when I when I encounter that fear now, it almost makes me smile and laugh because it's, it, it it shows me how much I've been holding back. And there's still a trepidation of me stepping forward, but it's an awareness now that I'm not doing it instead of a numbing, not even realizing that I have the ability to do it, right? It's now it's getting over the fear and the, the ego that I think I sh- that I think I'm stepping towards when I, f- when I step to my full authenticity, which I know is not an egoic thing if you do it right. But, but it's now like, it's now this, this knowing that I know it's there, right? I'm just, I know that I'm not, I'm, I'm getting ready to step towards it. Whereas before it was just a numbed idea that wasn't even existing in my head. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. It actually made me think of the Marianne Williamson quote where she talks about it's our darkness, not our light that scares us the most. Mm -hmm. And it's you're right. We all have a personal dharma here and we all have a purpose. Grand, big or, you know, grand, big, small. It it doesn't really matter. Uh, The impact is the same. Mm -hmm. Right. Everyone's purpose is going to impact in some way. And I can guarantee you your purpose is not to drink alcohol and and numb out and not show up in this world. That's not your purpose. That you, no one came to this earth like with the purpose of I need to suffer. <laughs> I need to stay small. I need to stay miserable. I need to, you know, not step into my light. That's that's not anyone's purpose, right? But when you're in it, because I specifically remember, you know, I've had to. Um, and not had to, I've chosen to spend a lot of time reflecting on my own drinking because this is what I ask my clients to do. Mm -hmm. And so when I reflect, I knew there was so much more for me, but I didn't know how to get there. And that didn't know how to get there would just open up this can of like defeat and helplessness and hopelessness. And so I would continue using the thing that was bringing me down. I would continue using the thing that was keeping me stuck. And so even though I could see out past it, I didn't know how to get there. And so I just stayed where I was. And it's such a defeating feeling to know you have a grand purpose. And yet you're the only thing holding yourself back from getting there. Yeah. And we can blame it on the alcohol. We can blame it on you know, the substance or whatnot. Yes, it is a highly addictive substance, but we still have tools and we still have choice and we still have free will. And so I can honestly say like, maybe I was choosing to stay stuck, but also I was really wrapped in the identity of who wasn't strong enough to do it any other way, if that makes sense. Like I was really wrapped in this identity of, I guess this is just how my life is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I was wrapped in that identity of being a victim, right? And so it wasn't until I made the choice to remove one of the things that was keeping me trapped, which was the alcohol, because then once I removed the alcohol, I then had to move into my thinking, which was keeping me trapped. (laughs) But once I removed the alcohol itself, it gave me the ability to then step forward and then to tackle the thinking and to pull in the other resources that I needed to, you know, step into this life, like actually step into this life. Yeah. And I think that's... I might have made that sound easy. It wasn't... (laughs) (laughs) It certainly took a lot of effort and it was certainly uncomfortable, but... I wasn't able to get to the thinking part of my mind until I took out 
the the thing that was really blocking my receptors from actually firing and working. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's an important step, I think. And, and that's something that I, I definitely missed on my my journey when I first became sober is that, I, you know, in my, you know, just I think it was more of a blind hope than an actual expectation. But it was like, okay, I quit drinking, I'll be fine. I'm going to be good, right? Everything's going to go back to normal. I'm going to be a human being, my kids are going to love me again, all the things are going to be good. But to your point, no, 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 because you remove the numbing agent now, and now you have the reason why you started drinking in the first place or your abusive product in the first place, right? And that's mm-hmm. that thing that we need to deal with because if we don't deal with that, we've already seen the toxic effects of how that thought process or whatever that thing is takes us, right? It takes us to a numbing agent. So we mm-hmm. got to get to that point to where we can understand the reason why we started numbing in the first place. And that can be more difficult than the actual removing of the intoxicant in the you know, but, but that's our journey. We, you know, like you said, you know, our, our, our purpose on this planet is not to get fucked up, right? Our, our, our journey is not to just be here and get shit faced and be like, Hey, this is great. Look at us getting shit faced. You know, this is cool. I wish there were more planets like this. It's like, no, nah, man. Yeah. You, <laughs> and you wake know, up with guilt and shame. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know? Sign me up for uh-huh. five of those, please. Right. Yeah. Yes. There might be a dimension out there like that for us. Once we realize all of this shit, then maybe we'll ascend to that dimension. But, but you know, like having that purpose and having that, that thing removed so you can see clearly what you're working towards and what you're needing to, to heal from, you know, what that trauma is. We all have some kind of trauma. You know, some of us have a better understanding of it and don't lead down an alcoholic or, or an abusive path, but, you know, sometimes we get there. But, you know, in, the, in, the, in the, the, the essence that everything happens for a reason, right, I would not have known how badly tra- traumatized I was because theoretically I had a good on paper childhood parents stayed together. They weren't abusive. Yeah, my dad wasn't there all the time, but he was working his ass off, right? I had two loving brothers. I love them to death still. My family, my mom and dad just passed away within the past, like my mom, you know, recently, my dad 10 years ago, 13 years ago. But for all intents and purposes, I had a great fucking childhood, right? I had no reason on paper to to start down that path that I did, but I did. And I think it was because I needed to see the trauma that I had in in, in this existence. That was the path that I chose, you know, and it's funny because I have a spiritual mentor that I work with that told me that in, in previous lives, this is the this is the soonest that I've quit that I've conquered my addiction in the mm. lives that I've lived. Mm. Right. And so that's like, OK, cool. Right. Moving the chess piece in the right direction. Right. I'm moving yeah. forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, the the substance itself really can block those that forward momentum. Yeah. And so when I have people reach out to me for a consultation, for instance, and they come with, at me with all of their problems and all the thing that's not going right in their life, the first thing I ask them is, are you drinking alcohol? You know, and not that we can place all the blame in the alcohol itself, but it's like, okay, the answer is yes. Well, let's start with removing that. So then we can actually get started in the process. Yeah. Because this is, you will not experience any forward momentum and really any like stepping into your potentiality and really stepping into your purpose if you keep consuming something that's going to bring you down. Right. And so I actually require that my clients, you know, are not drinking alcohol to work with me. Otherwise, they will not see results. Yeah. They will not see their life shift. They will not see their life change. And it really is. And I, and I, you know, I also work with people who are breaking up with alcohol because that's a part that I love. And we can talk about late, that later programs that I offer. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the the warning signs, the triggers, the beliefs around it. I actually really love that. That's like the investigative work. And to me, it's like super juicy and so revealing. Yeah. 
there are so many people and programs and treatment centers and in Quitlet and all of that available to do that. And so what I am most passionate about is, okay, you've done the work now to remove the substance. Now here, let's do the work of what is your life? Who are you without it? Who are you here to be? Who do you want to be? Where do you want to go? And I agree, like, everyone has trauma, capital T or lowercase t. It's a part of the human experience. But we don't actually give ourselves an honest opportunity to process the feelings associated with the events if we are numbed out. Mm. And it's the processing of those feelings that sets us free. Yes. The event itself is a neutral event. and I. But this is not downplaying any serious trauma. I'm not saying like, oh, it was a neutral event that that very traumatic thing happened to you. What I'm saying is what matters in yourself as a person is the feelings that you've attached to that event because those feelings are dictating your thoughts. They're dictating your choices. Mm -hmm. They're dictating your actions. And they're dictating what you think is possible for you. And so processing those feelings is really like the the secret sauce to your freedom but we cannot process feelings when we are consuming a depressant it does not right. work yeah. it does not work and simply like no it's the it's the secret weapon to me to loosen up and then actually feel my feelings and yeah i remember drinking and having like the craziest deepest bawling cries of my life and also the most outrageous seeing red rage of my life right but that also didn't give me any sort of like foundation on why I was feeling these things. It was like, it was almost an out of body experience. And it just leaves you with so much confusion and really no like data to work with. But you can go and you can take out the substance and then you can actually have those feelings and invite in compassion mm-hmm. and it, invite in curiosity. Yeah. 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 There's a line in the Tao that, that always sticks with me in, 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 you know, situations like this. And, and again, it's, it's not easy by any means. Right. But the line paraphrasing is deal with the difficult while it's still easy. Right. And so it's easy as when it freshly happens, because that's when you still don't have the story tied up into it. You don't have the emotion that you've now ruminated on and like sat with for a week. And now you've created this barrier around your your emotions around it. You, you maybe you dig your heels into like, no, I did it right. And they're fucking wrong, you know. And so then that, that story starts to play out, you know, but when we can just not just by any means, not just right. There's no easy way to do this, but it's much, much easier when both people are still there. If it's a situation involving somebody else, if it's, you know, something you can rectify right then and there, because if not, then that story starts to weave itself. And then we start to depress ourselves. Then we start to search for intoxicants to, to numb that depression, which leads mm-hmm. us to deeper depression. Right. So there's this, it's, it's just this cycle, you know, and then like you were saying, maybe some people can get out of the cycle with, you know, safely drinking alcohol. And I've seen like a couple people that I know that, that have a decent relationship with alcohol, but the clarity of mind, when you are in that clear mind, that's what's up, right? That's where we want to be at. Yes. There's two things there I want to hit on. First is it's almost like we should just put a disclaimer at the beginning of this podcast so we don't have to keep correcting ourselves <laughs> Yes, and we just will. <laughs> make sure it's, it's super clear. Like we're not downplaying the amount of work that goes into this journey. We're not downplaying that it can be very hard or challenging or that it's easy because we've corrected ourselves a few times to make sure the audience knows Like we're not saying it's, but at the same time, it's, it's a level of effort where your whole body, heart, and soul, and mind are saying yes to. 
And so if we can just reframe it from being, this is something that's going to be really hard and challenging, which is true to like something that this is going to take effort, which is a little bit more of an exhale, then it's like, okay, it might take longer than you expect it to be. People that do 30-day challenges, that's beautiful, Mm -hmm. but you probably won't see huge results in 30 days. You know, uh, it takes a little bit more time than that, right? And so it takes the effort and the, the longevity and the commitment and the willingness. And so like, okay, audience, we've said this before, like, yes, this is a challenging thing to do. But if you truly want to step into your full potential, if you truly want to learn yourself on a deeper soul level than you ever have before, then you might have to step into something that is hard, challenging, uncomfortable, but it's completely possible. And we can say that with fact, because you and I are both sitting here as examples of it being possible. Definitely. Yep. And And anything, anytime we change something, it's hard, right? And it it could be a change for the benefit of change, you know, anything, but that change is hard because it takes us out of the pattern we've made in our brain. And it's as, you know, as, as toxic as alcohol is, we've talked about, it still becomes that intoxicant. It's addictive. It becomes part of our, our mentality. It becomes part of our ritual. And so removing that is, is a lot, right? There's a lot that goes into it, but it is doable, right? And it is, it, you know, you have support, you have different variations of support, whether it's family or these programs that are out there, but but finding a way to do it, and and you know, to your your point about the thirty days, when I when I first quit, I didn't have like uh, an idea of like I wanted to quit forever, right? I'm not a, I'm going to quit drinking forever, right? I just was like I just I, I'm done, right? I'm, I, we were at a wedding. I remember, uh, you know, just wedding vibes, you know, everybody's drinking and partying and all this shit. I got offered cocaine like three times and I've, you know, this is way, I've never, I haven't done cocaine in probably like 15 years or so. And so it was just this weird vibe about like being intoxicated and getting offered all these drugs and all this shit. And I'm just like, this isn't me. I'm, I'm done with this. I just, I just can't. And, uh, and I remember after 30 days, so at the end of May, um, I was like, you know, okay, so where are we at? You know, can I go back to drinking? And and part of me was like, yeah, dude, you've gotten this, you know, maybe a glass of wine here and there. And there was that that voice that's usually really quiet that whispers in the back of my head, like shook my my amygdala and was like, fuck no, man, this is not you. You're doing good. Keep this up. Don't fucking go back. And I'm like, okay, quiet voice that got really loud and angry. All right, I'll listen to you for once. And it was it was beautiful. And now, like I said, four years, you know, and I'm just I have no desire to go back. I have. Had had, you know, those, those moments of like the weaknesses, luckily no slip ups, you know, it is a journey and it, it always will be a journey, you know, maybe tomorrow I might feel like drinking and I have to deal with that. Right. But, but the, f- the feeling that I have with the sobriety, the version of sobriety that I live has made me want to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Made me want to live. I also love when you just said the quiet voice that got really loud. Maybe I'll listen to that. <laughs> the, the beautiful thing about 30 days for, or any amount of days, the, the beautiful thing about any amount of days is you're proving to yourself that you can go a day without drinking something that maybe you have become dependent on or addicted to. And I'm not even saying physical dependence, but like habitual dependence mm-hmm. and the obsession of the mind, the ritual. We love ritual. Humans love ritual, right? And so when it comes to removing it, it really, you're you're breaking up with society's conditioning. You're breaking up with the imprinting that you have grown up to, whether it's social, you know, media, movies, your what you witnessed in your family, whatever it is, 
And so people that go through these, like, I'm not going to drink for X amount of days. A lot of them are entering into this challenge. I'm doing air quotes, this challenge with themselves as something that they can't have. And then they're probably going to reward themselves with at the end. Mm. And that's why I said, you won't see change. What, when you want to see change in your life, and you've decided you need to remove something from your life in order to get to the thing that you want, whatever it might be, that is the reason, that has to be the reason that mold, like motivates you to do it. Hmm. If, you, if you go into it as something that you're just denying yourself and now you're in deprivation and now you're in like a longing and this craving mm-hmm. state, that's when you don't see any of like your full potential of change happen in your body or in your mental state or in your your thinking mind or it's when you don't see that actually wow I have been sleeping better I have been sleeping through the night I've been showing up for my kids I'm not resentful that I have to wake up to a pukey baby at four in the morning because I'm not hungover you know and when you start to see those little celebrations then like the why becomes a little bit more solidified But when you're just doing it as something that you can't have, like people that cleanse from sugar or, you know, give away the sweet treats or whatever, it it doesn't give you the same momentum and the same inspiration to stick with it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And there's a there's a a piece you talked about with the rituals. And and I want to just kind of bracket that because. There, you know, in the in the West, you know, we're, we're I think we're culturally starved, right? And I think that's one of the reasons why we we appropriate a lot and we we just kind of don't realize we're you know, especially now, like we're very aware of appropriation now for the most part. Um, but there's still it, it still happens because you know, and I think again, West is just it's so starving culture. We we ran from Europe, you know, hundreds of years ago with the 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 abolition of that. You know, we don't want to have that culture. We want to have our own culture, but we didn't take any of those rituals and culture with us, except for like you know, slavery and all that fun shit that we are still getting past, you know, but, you know, so in, and with that ritual, right. And so drinking wine at the end of the day was a beautiful ritual that I had. I made it, I made it through the day. I did all the work. I got all the shit paid. I'm doing all the bill stuff and now I get to drink. Right. And that was a ritual for me for a very long time. And, and so, and, and I, you know, we were talking about where I wanted to bring up this, this magazine article, but this article came out in the 90s, 1991, and I just found this in Slate Magazine, just re, kind of read an article about this article. And so in, uh, on, on ni- in uh, uh, 1991, on 60 Minutes to TV show, there was a French man named Serge uh, Renaud that was on there talking about, uh, talking about French, talking about wine, talking about this stuff. And part of the interview, the interviewer asked him, uh, why do the French have lower cardiovascular disease than people in the West? And without missing a beat, this man said, because of alcohol consumption, because we drink red wine, right? And that was just like a, just, Hey, there you go. Matter of fact, here it is. So that next year in America, in the West, red wine sales went up 44%, right? So not only did this 60 minutes, uh, uh, episode air, but times, New York times magazine or the uh, newspaper caught it, the, the times caught it. All these articles started getting written about how 
alcohol is good for you, especially red wine. We should have red wine. We should have alcohol every single day. And that was put out by like the, the, the World Health Organization. All these these people that we put a lot of faith into were now changing their, their tune and saying, yes, let's drink alcohol. Everybody should drink alcohol. It's great. And so this came out in the 90s when Lauren and I were both young and you know, very impressionable. By no means did I read that article, but we were influenced by the alcohol consumption that that drove that article drove. And so now, you know, what, 25 years later, 30 years later, we have all this information saying how horrible alcohol is for our system. And those, uh, you know, government agencies that I just mentioned have now retracted all that and said, now the best amount of alcohol in your system is zero, you should not have any alcohol at all in your system. And so, you know, it's just, it's interesting how that one that one interview came out, sparked a bunch of articles, and the West was like, ritual, got it. We drink red wine. That makes us healthy. It gives us something to do. Fucking let's do it, right? And we saw this huge burst, and now people are trying to retract that and trying to step back. And it's just, it's not that it's done its damage, but it has done a lot of damage, you know? And then we have to be very aware of this propaganda that gets put out there, right? Not mm-hmm. only for alcohol, but there's also like, you know, stuff coming out about the calcium in milk that we're supposed to be having that's not actually good for us. It's actually deteriorating our bones instead of adding, you know, nutrients to our bones. You know, so it's, 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 it's hard because that came out from like a government standpoint and a lot of people put their, their efforts and their, their, their will into that stuff. So I think it's just, you know, one of those things that, how does it land with you? Like when we hear information like this, how does this sit with you? Right. Yeah. Well, it really goes to show how impressionable we are as humans, like Mm. constantly, we're just sponges. We're soaking up all the information that's thrown at us. And the more and more I'm a witness to this, the more I just get so frustrated (laughs) with the messaging that's out there and the messaging, especially around nutrition and food. And there's so much mixed messaging. And so as soon as you think you're doing something right, someone else comes out and now you're doing something wrong. And, but times change, Mm. you know, you can see that with nicotine where doctors used to prescribe cigarettes and that, that would never happen today. And so now there was, there was this thing that came out and I remember red wine coming out as like a health benefit. I remember reading it in good housekeeping Mm -hmm. and in women's magazines. And, um, and I was a daily red wine drinker. I loved red wine. I remember when I switched to red wine in college, I was a junior in college and I felt so sophisticated, (laughs) you know, and I just remember, but it was good for me, but is it good for you? If like three quarters of the bottle fits into one glass, right? right? Who's who's actually measuring their pores these days. Mm -hmm. Right. So I said it last time on this podcast as well, uh, that I am not anti-alcohol. My mission as an alcohol empowerment coach, as I, well, I should say as an alcohol-free empowerment coach, is not to ban alcohol and say it's terrible and that people shouldn't drink it and shame on you if you do, you should feel bad, guilty, and you're wrong. That's not my plan because I, ha- I have people in my life that I love who drink alcohol and they, they're they're doing just fine, right? Mm-hmm. To whatever their baseline of acceptance for themselves is. What I do have a problem with though, is the messaging that for lack of a better word, lies to us right. and misleads us. I, I do not do well. It's like, where's your moral compass? How can big name companies promote something that clearly has so much repercussion and have nothing, have no accountability for that? And that's the part that I do struggle with is, is the messaging that's saying like, it is good for you when 
so much as saying that it's not. And I actually kind of secretly celebrated when I read that article that said it has been retracted now and the best amount of alcohol is no alcohol. Because at the end of the day, it's ethanol. Right. It is poison for our bodies. Like this is just a, a neutral fact. It's not a judgment towards alcohol. I don't care if you drink it or not. I care if you're suffering, but it's poison mm. and our bodies don't want it. Our bodies are not meant to operate with it in ingested in us, right? It is going to absolutely alter and change us. And the fact that it's highly addicting. And so to me, I'm grateful that the messaging is starting to shift. What I think is really something to be aware of, though, is how many people are going to use this as a catalyst to removing something from their lives that's not serving them, like people that have decided to quit, you know, smoking nicotine, because it's it's not good for them. When does that shift happen that someone's going to decide to do that and actually use it to empower themselves and to change, which goes back to the whole having to break up with the society beliefs of why alcohol is good for us. It makes me a better lover. It makes me a better dancer. It makes me a better friend. It makes me do this, that, and the other. We also have to break up with all of those beliefs, but also not detour into people now feeling shame or guilt or like they're doing something wrong because that seems to be a really common theme is like as soon as something comes out and it changes your beliefs you either are empowered to do something you wave the fuck it flag you put up a middle finger to it or you go into this like oh my god what's wrong with me i've done something wrong i'm a terrible human being right so there's like really three clear avenues that happens when when big societal shifts in messaging occur. It really shakes the Etch-A-Sketch. It Mm. really like takes the tin can of bees and like shakes it up and everyone's just kind of like, which direction am I going to go with it? Yeah. So of course I'm focusing on the people that are like, huh, I am willing to see this differently. I am curious to see this differently and I want to know what else is available for me. Yeah. And, um, and then there's the, the people that still drink it and don't get addicted to it. It's like, why do some people do some people don't? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm not going to go into it. I know that for me, I was absolutely addicted to alcohol. And I know like my sister is absolutely not. Yeah. We we have the same blood. Mm. So, so for me, I had to make a choice and go on a certain journey and she doesn't have to make the same choice and go on a certain journey. Our journeys are completely different. And so that's why circling all the way back to the beginning of this conversation, it's your personal journey and whatever it feels good for you. Yeah. So with this messaging coming out of like, okay, now there's evidence that it's not good for you. How does that make you feel? What does that do for you? And do you want to explore not consuming it anymore and just seeing how your life changes? Yeah. There's a, there's a layer that just kind of popped up in in my head about this too, that, that I think might be, you know, kind of in that that underlying belly of toxicity that we don't really see because it's guised as something positive. But um, alcohol companies are now supporting human rights, right? And I'm not saying nobody should support human rights, but when you have somebody like Bud Light that is now coming out and and supporting LGBTQ plus, which is fantastic, right? But what's the ulterior motive? We're not so alcohol companies are not allowed to advertise towards kids. 
one of the biggest things in the news right now is transgender rights for kids, right? There's places in like Kentucky and Tennessee that are trying to outlaw these rights and all this stuff that they're doing. And now you have alcohol companies that are supporting LGBTQ+, which again is great, but it's being supported by alcohol-based companies which have humongous budgets. So now these, the, these children that are struggling already with their identity issues are now being supported by alcohol companies, which... I mean, in my head, that's you're you're creating your next consumer base, right? You're saying, "Hey, it's safe. Bud Light is safe for you. We support you. When you're old enough, drink us because we are there for you." And so, like, I, I don't know. It just it 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 doesn't seem right to me that these type of companies, alcohol intoxicant based companies, even like Coke and Pepsi, right? These these carcinogenics and all this shit that we put in our bodies can support these altruistic kind of. Uh, these these altruistic kind of things because we're giving that message again. Alcohol is bad, but you know what? The people that make alcohol are great. They're good people, so you should support their product, even though it's shit for you. And we have all this evidence to show it's going to kill you eventually. Mm-hmm. So it's just I don't know. Just it, it it seems like the 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 messaging. It's like we have the we have the avenue to get the information out there. We're just putting the wrong information out there. We're just doing it wrong, right? Yes, and again, it just highlights really. Being mindful of where you're receiving your information because it is a skewed society and the the ones, the companies, the individuals with the most amount of resources have the biggest, have the biggest megaphone and have the most influence and reach the most amount of people. And so there is a skew in what messaging is really getting out there and what messaging is, is being heard the most. Yeah. And um, there is a lot up for interpretation. Like if something like a an alcoholic company is supporting um, a part of, of, of life, a part of our society that maybe is already feeling out of place, maybe is already feeling like they don't belong. Those are two key reasons why people turn to alcohol in the first place. Right. And so it's almost like I see you where you're at and I have the solution to your problems. And it does kind of open up this opportunity for for people using the wrong things to get the result that they desire, mm. which at the end of the day, human beings want to feel like they belong. That yep. is that is the the big that's that's our our core essence is feeling like we belong. And so, yeah, yeah. that one really that one really pulls at my heartstrings quite a bit. I, I we're going in a completely different direction here than I don't know. I had no expectations, but it, <laughs> it's so I'm so passionate about it. And it's definitely firing up a lot of things in me, um, especially in terms of just where certain people's moral compasses and how do people have the audacity to, to do things when they're so influential and they can cause so much damage. And I just, I can't wrap my head around it when, because I want to see the greatest good come to light. We're just not there yet. Right. But I can say just from the amount of coaches I, I interact with and the amount of clients and just the amount of community forums I'm in, I do believe a shift is coming when it comes when it comes to alcohol. When we're talking about alcohol, I do believe that people are waking up. I do believe that COVID scared the shit out of a lot of people and a lot of people like don't want to die. Right. You know, and I know that death is inevitable. But while we're here, how can I 
this is kind of coming back again, full circle, live my purpose. What is my purpose? What is the point of this existence? Why am I even here? Is it to sit on the couch and drown my sorrows in wine? Or is it to shake, shake it off, get up, pull my shoulders back, go live, breathe the fresh air, get outside. Like, what is the point of this existence if I'm just going to suffer? Because again, we didn't come here to suffer. Right. right. <laughs> we came here to be alive. And people use alcohol to come alive when really it it works until it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, and for the people who it's not working for, they're like, what else is out there? And I think for the people who it's not working for, the ones that get emotionally charged by like the conversation that we just had yeah. with the big games that have the influence. Yeah. Well, they've woken up. They have. Yeah, totally. And it, it, it sometimes yeah. when we get shaken awake, it's startling. You know, we weren't ready to wake up. It's like, oh, shit. Oh, what? What? This isn't and right. And you start what seeing everything. This? You're like, wow. <laughs> well, I didn't I didn't know. I didn't know I was being brainwashed uh-huh. and targeted and manipulated and all of the things. And I know this is sound, sounding really dramatic, but it kind of is. There's so much drama in our lives right now. Right. right? In just society. Um. Well, you've mentioned, you've mentioned uh, uh, so you've mentioned the the term alcohol free a few times, and mm-hmm. and I just want to kind of unpack that a little bit because there's there's different levels of sobriety, right? And there's uh, for me personally, I'm alcohol free, right? So I don't drink alcohol anymore, any forms of alcohol, not even tinctures, right? I'll do uh, the the vegetable glycerin uh, tinctures, and uh, but I still sit with plant medicines, right? So I still sit with cannabis, I'll sit with hop A, sananga, psilocybin on occasion, microdosing, macrodosing, all that stuff. So um, so there are various, you know, uh, levels of, uh, sobriety, if you will. But, um, for me, what I found for my own personal, my personal journey is that fermented medicines do not work with my body. Right. So anything alcohol related, it just, it triggers something in me that I just can't stop. Right. And that's my, my journey with it. But for me, plant medicines I found have supported my journey in life. And now I still do have uh, a journey with cannabis that I'm trying to be more responsible about. And I will be completely honest with that. Uh, but the other plant medicines that I've found that support my journey, like microdosing on occasion, macrodosing on occasion, hoppe on occasion, sanang on occasion, um, are feel like they add to my life instead of depress or make me hide from my life. And so, you know, and, and I just I want to say that to, to say that your level of sobriety is yours to choose, but you got to be honest with yourself. Right. And that's why I said that statement about cannabis. I could be very, very ignorant with myself, be like, I have a great relationship with cannabis. I only smoke weed when I need to or when I feel I have a, a purpose for it or whatever. No, not at all. You know, I'll go walk my dog later and I'll smoke a bowl before I go. And that's just that that's I'm fine with that. Right. And that's my journey with that, that I've I'm very conscious of. Again, I'm very aware that I'm that I'm working towards improving my my relationship with that. But it's still a conscious understanding. Right. With with alcohol, with me, it was like I cannot wait to get home to slam that wine in my face. Or I would drink because I worked at restaurants for twenty years. I would have the bartender pour me a shot of Jameson and a, and a glass of red wine. I would shoot that, drink my red wine, and then go drive fucking home. Right. So it was like could not wait until that moment could happen. Whereas all this other stuff is like, oh yeah, okay, I'll get okay. I'm gonna go have a sit with Hoppe now because I have ten minutes in my day that I want to have a reset. Right. So there's a more of a relationship with it. So. Um, so as you start working with clients, you know, is there, I know you said that, you know, alcohol is one of those things you'll help them kind of release that, that relationship, but you want to have your clients not have a relationship with alcohol when they work with you, but are other plant medicines or other medicines that, you know, are those kind of malleable a little bit in your practice with them? 
Yeah. So let me just tackle the alcohol, the alcohol part for it um, for now, because the reason why I specifically work with people who have a relationship with alcohol that they want to change is because that's my story. Mm. So I can 100% talk the talk, walk the walk because I did it. Right. And I believe that Unless you yourself have experienced what it's like to be addicted to alcohol, no other substances, because my story involves cocaine as well. And I can go back into that in a moment. But unless you have actually experienced that obsession of the mind where everything you do from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed revolves around either finding the drink, drinking the drink, or thinking about the drink. And if you've never experienced that, you will never, ever be able to stand in someone else's shoes and look them in the eye and be like, I know I've been there. And so that's why I'm very, very passionate about helping people specifically with alcohol because that was my story. Mm -hmm. But my, my run with cocaine, I don't really even talk about it because it just feels like it, I don't I don't feel like I got addicted to it in the way where my whole like life revolved around it the way that it did with alcohol. It just kind of came into my life and a party situation. I remember I was scared to death <laughs> to try it for the yeah. first time. And then I finally did. It took many, many coaxings from friends to finally try it. And I finally did. And then, of course, like everyone became my best friend. I had the best <laughs> night ever. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so then it did become something that I looked forward to doing and it was a high until it became a depressant. So yeah. I, I I went over the, the hill and it was no longer something that was fun for me. But it was the alcohol that absolutely was like the obsession. Right. Yeah. And and I was with alcohol for over a decade and so and cocaine for less than a year. Yeah, <laughs> you right. know? Yeah. So yeah. in terms of relationships, alcohol was my longest standing relationship. Yeah. Um, with that being said, I so I don't target people that are, you know, looking to change their relationship with with hard drugs. I don't target people that are looking to change their relationship with cannabis. Those aren't my stories, you know, but the teachings are the same. At the end of the day, you're still identifying your triggers. You're still identifying your warning signs. You're still um, asking yourself, why is this important to me? What do I think it's doing for me? What do I believe like I need this for? And so like the teachings are the same, but I, like, I would never go to a counselor to talk about alcohol if the counselor herself or himself hadn't experienced it before. Does that make sense? Yep. So that's where I, that's where I go with that. And when it comes to the word sobriety, it's really tricky. Actually, words are very tricky because being sober and sobriety in our society alludes to the fact that you had a problem. Right. And a lot of people, seriously, like people are waking up. People are now choosing to go alcohol free, not because they were addicted, not because they've lost everything, not because they need to go to a detox or a medical center or a traditional rehab or they need to go to a 12 step or AA. It's because they know their life would be better without it. Yeah. So they're choosing to be alcohol free. They're just choosing to be non-drinkers and they would never identify as a sober person because then that would maybe trigger someone else outside of them to think like oh then that person must have had a problem and it becomes a pride thing mixed with shame it's a very we're it's very interesting how words can trigger us in such a way mm-hmm. 
when I got sober, so I say that because I just stopped every, I stopped cocaine and I stopped drinking alcohol. Those were my two things. I, I was never into cannabis and I wasn't doing anything else. And so I wasn't into nicotine. So I, I got sober because I cut out the two things that I was doing. Um, but now today it's like, okay, do I say the word sober and sobriety? Cause I've just conditioned myself to say it all these years, or can I just move forward as an alcohol free human being? Like I choose not to drink alcohol. I have not had a sip of alcohol since I had my last sip of alcohol, like five and a half years ago. Yeah. But I certainly have relapsed in my thinking. I have certainly have fallen back to moments of self-loathing and self-pity and victimhood and why me and life is so hard, but never to the point where I felt like I needed to drink again because I squashed I squashed the belief that alcohol was a useful tool for me from the word go. Hmm. Like from the word go, I decided that I decided I was not going to ingest this liquid anymore. And so it became not important to me anymore. So I absolutely have like had my thinking mind go back to just like I said, like these feelings of less than right. not to the point where I was going to turn back to the thing that I used to use to solve when my mind would go there because I have new tools now. Like now I know about meditation. Mm -hmm. Now I know about pausing. Now I know about going into nature. Now I know about breath work. Now I know about shaking my body. Now I know about jumping on a, re a rebounder, things that I didn't know. And so to me, there's just no appeal to alcohol yeah. in, in using it. And so I just say, like I say, I'm sober. Um, I think that people have to decide for themselves what what tools they want to use. Yeah. And again, everyone's journey is going to be personalized and different. When we were in Mexico, when we would sit in the, um, um, oh gosh, well, like the sweat lodges, but that's not what they're called in Mexico. I'm completely blanking right now. They would pass around pure tobacco. Okay. For instance. And so like I've taken some puffs of tobacco. Does that mean I relapsed <laughs> if I'm considered a sober person? Right. So that's why words are, are very tricky. And when it comes to any of the plant medicines, like it's funny because now science is coming out with all the benefits of that. Right. Yeah. And maybe that messaging will shift too. like, who knows? But if you feel comfortable with it and you feel like it's going to enhance your experience or help you in some way, then you get to make choices because you're a human being again with free will. And if it gets to the point where you find you're reaching the point of dependence and now it's no longer helping you, but it's hurting you, then you get to make a new choice and you get to decide to eliminate the thing that's not helping you. And how are we supposed to go about this human experience if we don't have experiences? There you go. That's so I completely am like, do what you want. But as soon as you feel like it's not helping you anymore, that's when you reach out for support. There you go. I love that because there's, that, that, that consciousness, right? So like you could, you could have a healthy relationship with something and choose consciously to move towards that. But that consciousness needs to stay present while you're with that medicine or with that substance that you're, that you're working with. Because for me, the ego really gets uh, flared up when I drink, right? And that ego tells me everything's great. You should have more. This is going to be good. You, you're not a problem. You're the best on drinking. You know, alcohol is great for you. But 
truthfully, no, it wasn't, right? And if I was listening to that consciousness, maybe I could just have a drink every once in a while and be okay. But I don't listen to that guy. Whenever I start drinking, I listen to the other guy, the guy that talks louder. So, you know, but if you can have that consciousness and you check back in and be like, what's my relationship with this today? Ooh, it's feeling a little dicey. Okay, cool. Do I have the strength to step away from this for today? Ooh, I don't. Okay, maybe I do have something I need to look at a little bit deeper. But it's having that check-in, having that honesty with yourself and not just placating to your own consciousness. And that's what it really boils down to is just being honest with yourself. So I do not tell my clients like you need to be sober for the rest of your life. You're never allowed to drink alcohol ever again. No, that's not for me to decide for anyone. Right. But and they get to decide if they've reached the point where they can have one here or there, take it or leave it. Like they get to decide if they are able to do that, if they're able bodied, able mentally to do that while you're working with me, then yeah, let's not drink alcohol. Give yourself a break. You've already practiced drinking for 15 years. Like, you know, what's, what's eight weeks or however long it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way, that way you can actually really start to do some of the, like the surgery on your brain and on your thinking and on your beliefs and like do the, the rewiring and whatnot that that's when you really see the change is when you're not consuming it. And if you feel like then you've got your feet on the ground and, and you're not, you're being honest with yourself and you go and you introduce it back in, then you get to decide if it's working for you or not. And you won't know unless you try, right? Mm -hmm. So some people need to try like the insanity of the mind of just not knowing and they have to go out and they basically have to run an experiment on themselves. And then they're like, okay, yeah, no, I actually don't want it. I personally have not run that experience on myself because I just have already decided that I don't want it. Yeah. Whether it's because I feel like I'm going to go back to the way it was or because I feel like my life is just fine as it is. It doesn't really matter. It's just like I stopped drinking soda. I stopped drinking dairy, all of those. And I I don't want them back in my life. Right. right? So alcohol is just another liquid in a bottle that I don't consume. There you go. Totally meaningless. Um, But yeah, it's just up to the person. And, and that's why that's really why I coach the way I coach and why I have kind of breaking free from some of the mainstream teachings Mm -hmm. that I really, you know, I did sign off on in the beginning because I needed something. Yeah. And then I evolved on my journey and here I am. There you go. Right. And I, I know what I know now. I feel what I feel now. I believe what I believe now. And that's the whole another thing to empower my clients to also give themselves permission to evolve. And part of that evolution might be collecting data points along the way and mm-hmm. then making choices. There you go. Now, with your clients that you work with, um, is there like a specific time frame? Like we have like an eight week course or, you know, something like that. Or is it kind of malleable depending on, you know, the 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 severity of what that person's going through? Yeah. And it's not even so much the severity of what they're going through, but the the desire for what they want. Okay. So some people are just needed like an in and out, like one month of accountability. Other people are like, nah, girl, I want to change my life. Help me manifest the life of my dreams. And then we, you know, we work for months at a time. Um, I do have, so that's if I'm doing like some one-on-one coaching in terms of programs, I have created programs where you can opt in to buy some pre-recorded coaching uh, videos where it's Mm. self-paced, self-timed. And then from there, if you want more, that's when we can go into coaching one-on-one and group coaching. My longest program that I offer right now is eight weeks. Okay. 
And that is a group coaching program. So you have access to all the coaching videos, all the whole library of all the coaching videos, plus group coaching, plus one-on-one coaching. And it really brings in that um, community aspect, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, so much part of the sober journey, which we haven't even talked on is rebuilding your community and your social network. Because again, humans want to feel like they belong. And when you take out alcohol, suddenly you're now like, the one that doesn't belong anymore. It's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, but we can put a pin in that. So working with clients, it it really is on a case-by-case basis. But the eight-week program called Liberated is my pride and joy. And it's the one that really just gets you in the door, gets you seen, gets you heard, gets you supported. It's accountability. Mm-hmm. And it's also a lot of teaching. You learn a lot. Yeah. And you get to see things differently. And you get to ask questions and Hmm. So as you see your, your clients and everybody moves at their own pace, but you know, as we, as you see them start to remove that, 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 that thing from their life, right. That intoxicant from their life. I mean, I know my own personal journey and and you've shared yours, but uh, you know, I love watching people make their moves and have their aha moments. So, and as you start to work with these clients and they remove that intoxicant, like what are some of those effects that you're seeing as far as their like mentality or maybe their connection to something bigger than them or, you know, something like that. Cause there's these, sometimes that's the thing that drives me the most to stay sober or to stay my version of sober is to see those breakthrough moments that my clients have. That's like, Yes. Fuck. Yes. You did the thing. You are fucking feeling shit. Yes. Good for you. And it just like that empowers me to be like, Oh yes. I want to keep this up for me too. You know, my absolute most favorite part of being a coach is celebrating wins Mm. with my clients. There is nothing like watching someone have that breakthrough or have that, like you said, aha moment and have that miracle hmm. literally like i i feel like i'm just an observer of miracles every single day and it's not because i'm doing anything right i love that my clients trust me and they reach out to me and they respect me and all of that but i like i said i'm a possibility portal right like let me show you what's possible but you have to go do the thing you have to put in the effort you have to be in alignment with your why and with your desires and when you stay so committed to it and now all of a sudden your relationship with your family is changing you know you're allowed back into someone's life who you got booted from or your work performance you you made that bonus right that you keep missed that you had missed all these years or you're sleeping better which means like you're not so begrudgingly getting out of bed in the morning even small wins like that where my clients like i slept through the night for the first night or the one that is like this morning i woke up and i didn't think about drinking mm. and it's funny cuz this is like in the afternoon so now they're thinking about drinking, but they're thinking about the fact that they weren't thinking about drinking and it was a freaking celebration. Right. It really is amazing. And again, this is why I'm like, unless you've gone through it yourself, but insert whatever, insert whatever it is here, anything that was blocking you from seeing things clearly. And when you remove that and you actually step into this world and you start to see things clearly again, it is a feeling that I wish every single person, I hope I hope for every single person to experience in some way, shape or form. It feels like the weight of the world just melts off of your shoulders and you can just be free. Mm. And that's why I called my program liberated because you become liberated in so many areas of your life. And when alcohol becomes a non-event and everything else just starts to kind of 
settle down and fall into place. And it doesn't mean things just become magical and miraculous and easy and, you know, everything starts working out for you all the time, but you at least like you have your feet on the ground again, Hmm. you're grounded again. And, and you know how you can step into things and how you can tackle things and fix things and show up for things. And the hard things don't feel so hard anymore. I mean, I don't, I'm sure you remember when we were drinking, like the hard things just felt really freaking hard. And now it's like, okay, so this wasn't fun, but I can do this. I, I have the tools. I have the, you know, the, the wherewithal to know how to Totally. Go about the situation. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, in in the the heaviest part of my drinking. I had uh, two young kids, and so being a hungover or drunk father was just a fucking horrible thing. And uh, but you know what? Now, like, throw a diaper at me, I'll fucking change a diaper. I got no problem with that. You know, like, hey, we're all good. Blow out, sign me up. You know, but it's before I'm like hungover, like half eye open, put the diaper on the kid's face, and be like, oh, you're fine, whatever. <laughs> you know, so yeah, there is that yeah. that that attentiveness that you know now we can we can meet the thing in front of us with the full breadth of who we are as a human being, and there's a beauty in that because we have our full like cognition, our constitution is like, how are we going to fix this? How are we going to work with this? You know, instead of like let's just get it fine enough to that. I don't have to think about it anymore. You know? Yeah. It's like, okay, (laughs) this is just another experience. Yeah. I'm just having another experience. And, and it really, it doesn't mean like shit stops happening because part of the human experience, like shit's going to happen. Life is still going to be lifey. It's Mm -hmm. just what it is, but there's also going to be a lot of really good times. And even the good times get missed when you really are, fogged, fogged over, bogged down, trapped, you name it. Yeah. Um, the, the good gets, the good gets better. And then the worst isn't so bad. Yeah. And that's the miracle of really taking things out of your life that just aren't serving you <laughs> people, places, things, substances, whatever it is. It just makes the experience more peaceful. And it makes the experience like, like the mantra that I love so much is let this be easy. Mm. And it just kind of gives yourself permission to like walk into anything a little bit more level-headed, a little bit more calm, a little bit more grounded, and a lot more confident in yourself that you can show up in any situation at any point in time because you're always going to be fully you. You know, you're not going to be altered or changed in any way. I I often think about like, what if, you know, something had truly happened, right? I've I feel like I have some amazing guardian angels during my, during my time. Right. What if I really truly needed to be somewhere or, or watch out for someone? And like, I wasn't able to do that because of my drinking, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I'm really glad that I don't have to go back and have like a lot of, I have a lot of, you know, stories I could, I could go down the regret hole over, but I've done a lot of work on it. But I also just feel so blessed that I don't have to have those stories where it's like I wasn't able to be there for this person at this time when they needed me most because I had already started drinking. Right. Yeah. And what or whatever, insert whatever here. Mm-hmm. Now, there's something I want to come back to um, that, uh, you know, a couple things, actually. One is one is building the peaceful practices. Um, you know, one of our, our mutual friends, Tang, uh, talks a lot about this with me and it's, you know, the, the way he's put it to me in the past is, you know, shit's going to go sideways. Like life is going to be traumatic at times. Like we're going to lose somebody. We're going to lose a friend, a family member, you know, something bad, theoretically, considerably, you know, objectively bad is going to happen to us at some point in time. 
So building your peaceful practices, whatever that means for you, when you have the constitution to do it is going to be much better because then you can utilize those practices when shit goes sideways Mm -hmm. and not saying you can't find breath work. You can't find meditation. You can't find some peaceful practice when you're going through grief or you're going through loss or whatever that is, but it's so much fucking harder because now you're having to like direct your emotions to this new thing when this new thing could already just be a reflex. So, Mm -hmm. you know, as we find these peaceful practices and start to build into them, them, um, through that journey of sobriety, whether you have it already, or you're building it through your journey, does that peaceful practice help you kind of find the community that we're now not ostracized, but now it's, it feels weird to go back to, right? Like Mm -hmm. I used to be a bar guy, go drink people at the bar, meet you at the bar. We'll have a drink, have, you know, catch up all this shit. And that was taken away from me. And, and I just didn't be personally, didn't feel comfortable going into bars. I still felt triggered. And so I had to find different ways to find community again, uh, with a sober mind. And so, you know, with that, are you, is that a layer that you're seeing people start to find is these, you know, these the peaceful practices that might lead towards community involvement in some kind of way so that they don't, you know, so we don't feel alone anymore. Exactly. This is one of the biggest layers of what I coach. And I believe it's one of the most important layers too, is creating your life after alcohol and who are you after alcohol and what is your identity after alcohol? If you identify as that five o'clock red wine girl or that happy hour at the bar, you know, who are you when you stop drinking alcohol? You've changed your behaviors. And so now, now what, where do you fill in the gap? Right. And the peaceful practices. So for me personally, it was Reiki and yoga Mm. were catalysts in, in my alcohol free journey still to this day. I mean, it's like my, my business is all based around, but, um, it it was very important that I found something to act as my new reward at the end of the day. So like going to the Friday night sound bath was my reward for the end of the week. Whereas it used to be going out for drinks with friends was like my reward for the end of the week. And so it's important to really find things that you can replace and fill in the time and the gaps of what you used to be doing when you were drinking. Mm. Because otherwise you're just kind of left either feeling like you're missing out or just, you know, lost, confused and out of place. And like I said earlier in this podcast, and it was my personal story, absolutely, is many, many people drink because they feel like they don't belong. They don't know who they are. They feel like something is wrong with them inherently, which isn't true, but we have our feelings. And so we drink. And then as soon as you stop drinking in a society that is literally lubricated with alcohol, then suddenly you don't belong again. So you're drinking because you feel like you don't belong and then you stop drinking and then you feel like you don't belong. And so that's why community is key for success, for lack of a better word, on this journey for for long withstanding success on this journey. Um, Because when you start to rebuild your life without it, then you're you have a life. You have a new life. You don't have a longing or a missing piece anymore because you've created your new life. Therefore, you don't need to go back to the old life. Right. Your new life is now your new norm. It's now the new thing that you go to. And so I highly, highly encourage people to link up with other people who are not drinking alcohol and start hanging out with them. And you can find them 
in yoga centers. You can find them, you know, pretty much <laughs> any sort of movement, fitness activities, um, walking, like walking groups, walking in nature, book clubs. Mm. There's a lot of people that like to live without alcohol. Right. You do just have to take some time to find them because our society, again, sets us up to go to the bars and sets us up to go to happy hours and and go to baby showers with booze and weddings with booze and funerals with booze and promotions with booze. And yep. <laughs> the list goes on uh-huh. and on and on. We celebrate with it. We mourn we with it. We get excited we with w- it. I mean, it's, just, it's so fucking <laughs> it, confusing. It's, for, it's so confusing. So, yes, community is key. Um, I and, – and also – because we've talked about how you go into now dissecting your thinking once you stop the drinking, right? It's also maybe finding those activities that really tap into the mindfulness because the, it's really important for you to actually break free and be free and stay free in your life is to tackle the thinking mind that might be holding you hostage or prisoner to the disempowering beliefs and thoughts that you have. And the greatest practices for those are are meditation, mindfulness, pausing, intentional, being still, intentional, sitting in quiet, moving your body, moving the energy through your body. So yoga, meditation, dancing, anything that allows you to really just get that energy flowing, drop you out of your head, drop you back into your body, start to you know cultivate self-love. That's where the changes start to really happen. And once those changes start to happen, you don't want to go back right. to the thing that was robbing you of these experiences that you're now having as an alcohol-free human being. Um, be, doing yoga does not mean you have to become a yogi, right? right? Yes. Doing Reiki doesn't mean you have to become a Reiki teacher, practitioner. It's all – you're doing it for you first and foremost. Yeah. And the first cool- and foremost. The interesting yeah. thing about all those practices you just mentioned, because I'm, I'm a very big advocate for all those practices as well. Although you are in a community with a lot of those, like yoga, you're in a community for the most part if you go to a studio, sound bath community, unless you go to an individual. But there, it's a lot of community-based stuff, but it's still also very individualistic, like ecstatic dance. That's still something I'm very afraid of because I just, I just don't feel comfortable dancing. I've talked about that a lot. I've actually mm-hmm. just, I don't know if I've told you this, Lauren, but for the past three months, every morning before my morning meditation, I ecstatic dance for five minutes. By yes. myself with the windows closed, but I'm I do it and I'm trying to get comfortable yeah. just moving my body. But but I say You're that getting to, comfortable being with you too. Exactly right, and that's yeah. I, that's why I say that because you could feel very, very triggered by being a sober person going to an ecstatic dance for the first time if you feel that alcohol was that catalyst for you to find your groove and to be the loose person, blah, blah, blah. And oh my God, people are going to look at me. I don't know how to dance. This is going to be awkward. Nobody's fucking looking at you. All of these practices, although they might be community-based, are very individualistic when they're practiced because it is about your energy and how you feel. You can draw off other people's energies too but unless somebody is like confused and maybe just looking around like in a yoga class for example looking around be like warrior one what is that i'm going to look over there to my neighbor and say oh bent right knee push my into the left my left heel cool got that that's all the unlooking around that really goes on there right is the confusion it's not to like look and gawk and be like oh my god look at how pretty that person looks in that posture you know no it's all about you so it is that level of like trepidation oh my god i'm scared i'm going to go to this thing that's community based but 
it's still internal, right? So you have that that ability to dial into you and not feel awkward, right? So I say that because take the fucking chance, go out there, do something like that, because it might feel scary, but it's one of the best things we can do for ourselves is involve ourselves in community and move our damn bodies. And move the body. Exactly. And learn how to get still for a minute. Mm. So having a meditation practice does not mean like you need to go sit for an hour, you know, with your eyes closed and, and, and master the posture. It really is just slowing down long enough with intentional pausing to understand maybe what's moving through your body, your physical body, your mental body, your spiritual body, and, and being okay with sitting with yourself again, because you detach from yourself when you're drinking alcohol, you really, you, you're not trapped, tapped into like the truest essence of, of who you are. And so I think that that's a super important part too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that ties into movement because when you're still, you're intentionally moving your mind in the direction that you want to go. And so that's part of the movement as well. In early sobriety and early alcohol-free living, however you want to call it, it's very easy to then do too much. Mm-hmm. And so I am a big advocate of community and getting with the people and doing the things and trying new alcohol-free activities. But I also have to consciously remind my clients and myself that sometimes we also just need to do a little bit less, mm-hmm. you know, because we do need to practice slowing down and getting still and learning how to sit with ourselves so that we can learn our emotions. We can learn the way that we respond to certain triggers. We can learn what feels good for us. We can learn what doesn't feel good for us. And if we don't really take that time to become curious about how we operate, you can just stay busy. You stay busy. And then that that sort of busyness almost becomes the newest addiction. Exactly. You're still in a way running away from yourself. Yep, yeah, most definitely. And there, that's what I coach so much in my program. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say there's yeah. a there's a book that I love called the um, the fourfold way. Uh, I mm. think it's Angels Aries that wrote it. Uh, you know, a lot of people reference this book, but uh, this uh, it came out and uh, it's it's based off the Lakota traditions. Uh, and what they do is they talk about the four ways that the body and the soul are healthy, and the four things they look at. And it's if you can sit quietly, if you can dance, if you can tell stories. And oh, what's the fourth one? Sit, meditate, right? Sit. All right. So you meditate, you can dance, you can tell stories and you can sing. There you go. There's the four things. And if those four things are, are live in you, then theoretically you're a healthy human being. And so when I see that in myself, the, the dancing is, is the one thing that, that scares me. And so that's the thing I lean into. But I mean, it kind of echoes what you're saying, you know, like have a sitting practice, have a movement practice, have a silent practice, have a, you know, all these things that, that help us make us healthy humans, you know? And so that's one of those things that I look at a lot, you know, with, with my own personal journey and when I work with clients, you know, not pushing that tradition on people, but that's just one of those things that, you know, those four little basic things, if there's something missing within that easy to start to work towards that, you know, and start to like just identify that thing to work towards. Yeah. And just identifying what it is that you need in the moment. Like, I I feel like I'm a walking duality. Like in one moment, I might need to scream into a pillow and hit a punching bag. And in the next moment, I might want to just sit on the ground with one of my singing bowls and just be very angelic. Yeah. And it's just like, they're so different, but they're both accomplishing the same thing, which is moving energy, Mm. emotion, moving energy and coming back home to myself. Yes. And all of that is bypassed when we just 
default to numbing out with whatever it might be. Again, I'm an alcohol coach, so I talk about alcohol, but with whatever it might be. And so you get to learn what do I need in this moment? What do I really need in this moment? You get to have the cognition to actually like ask yourself these curious questions. And even though yoga is extremely beneficial, some days there it's just one more thing I need to do during the day. And actually the most loving kind thing I can do for myself is to take it off my schedule to stay home and just sit in the sun with a book. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, even though yoga is good for me, some days it's too stressful and I have to do something else instead. And right. you get to learn that about yourself. And that's the beauty. That's the beauty. I'm still learning so much about myself and don't get me wrong. I still feel super awkward sometimes too. Like, yeah, our, we really do let our guard down when we chemically alter ourselves. And now we have to embrace fear of being judged, hmm. fear of looking silly, you know, fear of saying something stupid but at the same time we did all those things when we were drinking we just weren't like aware or really probably just didn't care <laughs> right well i think you know right. that, this is one of the reasons why why what i i feel what you're doing is so important because and you know i mentioned that you've been helping me on my journey for a long time now for you know the, the time that i've been sober and um and but you know you weren't my personal coach you were just a dear friend of mine that i was able to lean into and, and to have luckily in my in my in my heart but, but you in that teaching and that coaching role for your clients, like that is so important to have somebody like you in that role to one, hold people accountable, but also to hold that space and to show them love and to share with them and to be like, like my, my favorite thing with the teacher, right? The teacher will know when to add more because you're ready for it or when to take some back because you've got too much, right? And if we're going at this on our own, we could feel like we're flailing. We could feel like it's all just so hard because we're trying to do all the things at once. All the things will get done, but having a teacher or a coach or a guide that can say, hey, here's step one. Mm -hmm. Just do this and then yes. let's talk about it, right? Don't worry about step two, three, four, ten, right? step fucking one when we're ready yes. for two we'll get there together so like having you as that person that 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 mediator that guy that coach to say hey you're doing fucking great we're gonna backtrack a little bit because we might need to but don't be discouraged because it's just what needs to happen right and we yeah. need that love we need that person like yourself yep Thank you. I appreciate that. And that's exactly what it is. And it's exactly why I have a coach. <laughs> oh, there you go. Right. You know, like here I am. Um, I totally reframed my business within the last year and I have a business coach. Right. And it's like she helps me break it down into bite sized pieces because I like to see the full picture <laughs> and get completely overwhelmed yep. and then feel like, how am I possibly going to do all these things? It's the exact same thing. And so with my clients, I get to help them break it down into bite-sized pieces and, and like, okay, we've got 10 things that you're worried about right now. Let's just focus on this one today. It, and it, it does, it makes it so much more manageable. And the manageability is what reminds us that it's possible because if we feel overwhelmed or that it's too much, and that's why going to AA and saying like, you can never drink again for the rest of your life shuts people down. Some people it inspires. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Other people it shuts your, the rest of my life. Like I'm not even halfway through my life. If you're on the trajectory of like normal human um, lifespan, right? right? Yeah. Like these are the thoughts that go through people's minds. And now you're saying I have to do this for the rest of my, and so when you break it down into 
into smaller into smaller pieces. And so, you know, again, going back to that whole idea of like 30 days, great. Like if you want to break it down and say, I'm going to go 30 days without alcohol, just be crystal clear on your intention. Be crystal clear on your intention. What is your desired outcome at the end of those 30 days? What are you hoping to achieve? What are you hoping to accomplish? How do you want to feel? And that way it is something that actually is like an inspiring goal versus again, like a punishment to yourself or yeah, it's, it's all the energetics around it. It's all, how do you want to reframe it? Is it, is it a challenge or is it something that's going to inspire you? And so, yeah. And I think, you know, you, you touched on a lot of this, you know, throughout the conversation, but I think what it really, you know, not boils down, but there's a lot of commonality between the stories that we tell ourselves. Right. And I think, you know, there's, there's that level of distrust we have with ourselves with not fitting in or whatever story that we have in our heads. And, you know, those stories, you know, for me and the clients that I work with are generally what led to that addiction of some sort. And so, you know, understanding that these are things that we're going to have to deal with through life. And so like with me, I have two young daughters, I have a 19 and a 14 year old and I'm trying my damnedest right now to start to get to them about the way that they talk to themselves and the way that they show up to themselves. Like my old, my youngest daughter is in three sports right now. She's in softball, soccer, and gymnastics. And I called her the other day and I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm being lazy. And I'm like, okay, girl, you need to stop that shit. You do three things a day, right? You go to school, you go to soccer, you go to gymnastics, or you put another sport in there. You're not fucking lazy embrace your downtime, right? Take the laziness out of it because that word will end up being a crutch that you're going to have to fix later on in life because you're talking negatively about yourself, even though you're doing it in a joking way. So the more we can start to get in front of this stuff now in helping our young ones or helping that, you know, that friend that might be disparagingly speaking about themselves in jest, be like, hey, you know what? No, you're awesome. And you deserve to be that person and you deserve to have all the things you have. Don't discount yourself. Because yes. this is where that leads. It leads to an addiction because because we just keep spinning these fucking stories. Fantastic. She's very lucky to have that insight from you, um, to have that role model. You know, I I still I felt like you were just talking to my inner child because <laughs> I still put judgments on myself. Like oh, I'm having a lazy day, and I'm like I work my ass off. You know, whether it's in my business or just showing up in this world as a human being. Like I'm always trying to put my best foot forward. And so when I need to retreat, when I need to take a pause, when I need to slow down, I usually go into judgment before I go into celebration. And it's that is a, a, a wiring in my brain that I'm very conscious of and very aware of. And I'm actively working to rewire right. because it doesn't feel good to take a day off and be in judgment and then to call yourself lazy or to think that you should be doing something else. And yeah, and you're, so, yeah really getting into that thinking, really getting into the reframing of our thoughts and choosing the thoughts that make us feel good. Because when we feel good, we do good things. We make good choices, you know, and good being a generalized word here, but you know what I'm saying? Healthier, higher vibration, high vibe. If we want to throw in some spirituality, (laughs) woo. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Those stories are tough. I, uh, so I've, I've battled with weight my entire life and, um, yeah, the, the, from the heaviest I was, I was 280 pounds through high school and now I'm about 160. And so this last journey of, of weight loss was, uh, I was about 240 pounds when I finally lost the weight to where I'm at about 160 now. But I can tell you, just to echo what you said about the stories and the, the negativity that we hold within ourselves. Like I could, I could like 
miss yoga, right? Like all day today, I'm like, I'm going to go to yoga after Lawrence, you know, after this interview, I'm going to finish up, got to walk the dog, I'm going to go to yoga. And if I, if I'm sitting on the couch later and I, and I still do this, I catch myself doing this all the time and I'm, I'm kind, I'm being kinder to myself about it. But when I, if I'm like, I'm just tired, I'm feeling tired. Like I'm just like energetically, I think it'd be better for me to just sit here or take a bath. Immediately, I'll look at my midsection and I'll look at my stomach and be like, nah, dude, you got to go to yoga. And even though like I'm the lightest and the, the most hev- the most fit I've ever been in my entire life, that's still my default of like, now nah, you're a fat kid, you need to go to yoga. You yeah. know, so it's in that's a, that's a story I've been working on now for decades, you know, so these stories are strong within us, even when we feel like we're making progress with them, they still have a hold on us. Right. Yep. So just be kind to yourself. Right. Don't you know, don't don't be scared of the story. Right. You're still working on the story. Right. It's not a written story. It's it's in progress. Right. But this is that part of the story where it kind of gets a little tough. Right. And you got to you got to you show up a little bit for yourself because, you know, you're worth it. Oh, you are worth it. We're all worth it. I love that so much. I love the idea of um, and it's just something that I, I coach so strong. It's like in my very, very first teaching that you can get for me is c- cultivating self-compassion mm. and just really being gentle with yourself and, and, and observing the stories, but not getting attached to the stories. And so it's like, what are you drinking over? What are the stories that you're drinking over right now? And, and can you just see it for what it is and love it and, and allow it to exist, but not attached to it. And you don't have to define yourself around it anymore. Like, okay, this story is popping up again for me. I have a lot of repeat stories. And I, part of me is like, when am I going to finish this freaking chapter? Yeah. <laughs> like I obviously highlighted it and put a post-it note in it because I keep reopening to this part of the book. Like I'm freaking over it, you know? Oh, um, God. And so I just have to go and I'm like, okay, it's still a work in progress. It's still a work in progress and that's okay. Right. It's just, (laughs) but I don't have to drink over it anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And we are still works in progress. I think that's such a beautiful way to, to, to look at it. You know, it's we're we're in flux. We're always constantly in flux. We're energy in motion. And so there's no finality to it until there, there is right. And that finality is a, is a human finality, but is not an energetic finality. Right. So, Mm Like live, live, be, yeah. be you, be the you that you're meant to be. My, my, something my mom used to tell me, she's like, the, the world needs more Adam and not more Adams, more of you, Adam. Nobody can Adam like you. Nobody can Lauren like you. Nobody can Monica like Monica, right? Nobody can be the you that you're meant to be. So fuck it, be the you that you're meant to be because there is a reason that that body and that package of you was put here. Mm-hmm. Fucking explore it. Be authentic with it. So good. So good. And that permission to be you hmm. is, is really the, the key to your freedom because we are, you are you, I am me. And, and it just is, it always has been. We are innately came here to be who we are and yet we mold and shift and change and try to be different things and fit into different holes and different you know, molds. And at the end of the day, it's like, if you can just be you, you are liberated, you are free. And, and then you hold yourself at the highest regard and you'll Mm. do the things that are the most respectful, most loving, kind things that you can do for yourself. And you'll make good choices and, and you'll want to like be a participant in this life. And, and, uh, that is, that is why I drank was not giving myself permission to be me. And that is why today I still am working through recurring stories 
just because I stopped drinking doesn't mean they all magically healed themselves. I stopped drinking and they all revealed themselves. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and so now I'm like, oh, okay. There's all the reasons why I was drinking. Now let's just tackle them one at a time. Body image for me too, Adam. I mean, we've talked about this before yeah. and, and I had body image air quote issues before I had alcohol issues. And so it's like, that's even a longer relationship that I've had in my life. And and so just because I'm not drinking anymore doesn't mean that they, they all just went away. They actually, I think, came more to my awareness. Um, but I now, gosh, I just feel so much more empowered about about tackling the things that don't make me feel good because I don't want to not feel good. Right. And it's not realistic to feel good every single day, whatever, again, good means for you. But I don't like to not feel good. And so I try to do my best to make choices that help me set me up for success. Oh yeah. You know, and, and yeah. be kind and soft and gentle and give myself some passes. Yes. Yes. We need yeah. to be kind with ourselves. So yeah. you put out so much beautiful content. So I, I see your, your, your stories and your reels on Instagram. Um, you have these beautiful courses that you put together now that you're offering. Um, so what's, what's the best like avenue for people to get in touch with you or to kind of like see the content or the work that you're putting out right now? Great. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I really do appreciate those, those words. Instagram is a great way mm. to dabble in my world and to just get curious. Um, I, I'm very vulnerable and raw and, and real and open. I'm kind of an open book. You know, it's like I've always said to, to anyone, there's nothing that you can say to me. And you say it too. There's nothing you can say to me that's going to like shock me or right, <laughs> you yeah. know, like make me judge you because I've heard it all or I felt it all or I've already thought it for myself. So Instagram is a great way to get into my world. And then my website is where my programs are hosted. So I have right now three programs that are self-paced um, coaching programs, mini, mini coaching series that just give you the building blocks to get started. And the first program is called Break Free. And that one is really, if you are in this place of curiosity of changing your relationship with alcohol, but you don't want to go into more of a traditional you know, path mm -hmm. and you, you want to understand your thinking, you want to understand like your triggers, your warning signs, and just kind of get you know, learning how to become honest with yourself and learning how to have a plan of action. That's all in break free. And then that progresses to stay free, which is like, okay, so I'm now I'm entertaining this idea of being alcohol free, but now what? Mm. Like in break free, you maybe feel like you're standing in quicksand and then in, in stay free, you, you're on the ground again, but you're not quite grounded yet. Where, how do I get my community? What, who, what is my identity? How do I really show up in this world as an alcohol free person? What's important to me? What are my values? And so that's like, how can I cultivate this new me, this new relationship with myself so that I stay free from the thing that was bringing me down? And then that progresses into be free, which is like, okay, my feet are on the ground. I'm solidified in my decision. I'm feeling really good. And but I want more. I, I want to actually show up in this world. Now, how do I step into my power? How do I step into my authenticity? How do I re-identify and create my new identity? Who do I want to be in this world? Mm. Because now I am free to be whoever I want to be. I'm not trapped anymore. And so they're progressive coaching programs, but they're also one-offs. You can buy anyone that you want, right? Or, or get into anyone you want at any time. Mm -hmm. And then that transitions into my group coaching program, which is Liberated. And that's the big the golden ticket right there because not only are you getting a profound amount of coaching, but you're also now in community mm, there and you go. it doesn't matter where you're at in your journey. So like 
is someone who may be further ahead is going to be inspiring someone that's just starting and someone who's just starting is going to be inspired, you know, by yeah. these stories that they're seeing. So that's all on my website, which is laurenfaycoaching.com. And it's linked from my Instagram. And I always am willing to have consultations and conversations with people. There is a way to access me, you know, and to to learn and to to get into this world and to allow your curiosity to be to be piqued. And and I just keep posting and I keep writing and I and I hope that it lands on the person that needs to hear it. Yeah. So all of that being said, I've got those programs. I have one-on-one coaching opportunities and it's all available through Instagram and through my website. Yeah. And I, and I have to just say something to listeners and just anybody who is listening to this, like when, when people offer their services, like, Hey, consult, just call and talk, right? Take people up on that shit, right? There's you, Lauren, have such a beautiful story, journey, breadth of knowledge, all the influence that you've had that you're giving. This is like a human that you want to talk to, not just Lauren, but when people offer that, take them up on it because they mean it from the bottom of their hearts. You're not taking advantage of it. You're not taking for granted. Again, that's a story again that we stuck with. Oh, I don't want to be a burden. Oh, they need to make money or but no. Let that be the thing that's like, hey, that was my that was my entryway to finding help. Somebody mm-hmm. offering it, right? Take people up on that. Take Lauren up. Shoot her an email. Do, do a schedule mm-hmm. a consult, right? Just find out if it's going to work for you or not, right? But just have the conversation. Sometimes it all all we need is that conversation to realize, like, wow, I'm stronger than I thought I was. I didn't think I was that strong. So let's let's figure out how strong I really am. Exactly. Exactly. There's something terrifying for so many people, including myself for a while about getting on the phone. (laughs) And so email is always available. But let me tell you, I have talked to so many people who I will maybe never talk to again. Right. And I've also talked to so many people who maybe they will hear it and it will take some time to digest and land and then they will come back, you know, when the time is right for them. But you'll never know what that moment is for you if you deny yourself the opportunity to even have the miracle in the first place. And um, it's like, you don't know what you're going to need to hear until you hear it. And you're like, that was it. Right. And Mm -hmm. so if if the coach had different motives behind saying, give me a call, then that's on the coach. Right. (laughs) Right? Exactly. It's not up onto the person to be like, I am, I'm inconveniencing them or I'm taking advantage of their time. Like if that's the coach's story, then the coach has some work to do on themselves. Right. And and they have to make choices and do what works for them and eliminate what doesn't. I mean, this is, it's all an exchange. It's all, everyone is on their path. And, and um, I really love when people take advantage of it because I love talking to people Yes, and I love hearing people's stories And I will never forget the first time I got to authentically and freely and vulnerably share with someone what I was feeling and to be heard and to be seen and to be received. Hmm. That changed my life. It's why I do what I do today. And it's available for anyone else who wants to take advantage of it. Take advantage of it, people. You're worth it. You are all worth it. Well, Lauren, you're an amazing human being. And I'm just 
love our time together anytime we get a chance to talk, but for to, to, to see and to hear the progress that you're making in your own personal coaching and what you're offering and just that space that you can hold. I, I just, I love when I see people like living their authenticness and it seems like you're just, just the things that you're doing, you're, you're putting out all these things to help humanity and just thank you for doing what you do. I deeply appreciate our friendship. I love you like a sister and just everything that you're just, you're an inspiring human being and I appreciate you. Yes. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so, so, so much, Adam. And I, I love you and adore you too. And I'm so proud of you for also every day stepping into your authentic self. And we talked about it briefly before you hit record, but this podcast has been an avenue for you to open up yourself and to explore more parts of you and to decide how you want to show up in this world and who you are as you sit right now is phenomenal. And it's like, <laughs> there's even more to be revealed. So like, we're so lucky to have you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. I deeply appreciate that. I love you, girl. Love you too. All right. We'll chat soon. All right. Bye, friend. Thanks so much for spending time with Lauren and I. Uh, please check out the show notes for any ways to get in touch with Lauren to look into her programs or her offerings that she has, or just to get some more information on how sober living or alcohol-free living can be impactful to you. Obeisance and love. We'll see you next time.